Police responded to a 911 call. Dramatic video of gun insanity in the Bronx. Police releasing a new video of a person that they are still trying to track down. Defund the police is not the answer. Many people surveyed said they just don't feel safe in the city. It's a shooting outside of a store. This is Bo Deedles. True crime. Police this morning are searching for the person who turned this Harlem platform to a crime scene. A Red Apple Media Podcast Network production. Now, here's Bo Deedle. Hey, welcome to Bo Deedle's True Crime Story. So, some of my producers here came with to me with a story. And I'll be honest with you, I know a lot of the principles involved with this story, and I remember reading vaguely about it. This is very, very interesting. You know, with the advent of all these cults, the thing that was happening upstate New York where this long-haired guy was having this guy and this girl as sex slaves and all that kind of stuff, it becomes some kind of a thing that was happening. Then all of a sudden this story popped up about this father of a young girl in Sarah Lawrence College. Great college. Very, very affluent college. And all of a sudden... Her father moved into the dorm. Now, her father's name is Lawrence Ray. And Lawrence Ray, Larry Ray, whatever you want to call him, he was just convicted not too long ago in 2022 of trafficking, sexual trafficking and and assaulting people and all that kind of stuff. And this is a really, really interesting story. So I'm going to try to go through the steps so everyone can understand what happened. Talia Ray is the daughter, and she was the first year at Sarah Lawrence College. She was always talking about her father, and uh, he was uh, supposedly the truth teller. She explained when she talked to all her friends in the dorm about this guy being involved with CIA. This guy was involved with uh, recovering Stinger missiles, and he's working for the government, and he engineered the ceasefire over in Kosovo that was during that war over there. He loved to preach the values of the Marine Corps and drops references in his relationships to all these high-powered people. And you know what? He was a good listener to people, and he engaged all these students that were in the dorm, telling them what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing. And then he started to look for the weakness and in some of these kids that were there in the dorm over there. Now, we've got to remember, Sarence Lawrence College is only about 15 miles north of Times Square, but it's like being in Maine or something like that. So when Larry first arrived to his daughter's dorm there, to Talia's dorm, these other people were there. They had 19-year-olds. They were searching for guidance because they were all confused. They had a lot of problems. And a lot of them, in certain ways, talked about sexuality, talked about wanting to commit suicide. So this was a great time for Larry to step in there and take charge of all these young kids. Now, he would tell the kids to come together in a group there, and he claimed that he could help everybody with all their problems. He knew. He said he knew and discovered new techniques with the government. And one gal named Isabella, she came to Sarah Lawrence College with a full academic scholarship. And then all of a sudden, she had a breakup with her boyfriends. And next thing is, Larry's there, and he, she's 19 years old, and she told him she was having difficulty making sense of things. Like a typical normal college kids, but he used this now. He realized one thing, that this could be a really great opportunity for him to mind control these kids. 
and then all of a sudden Larry and Isabella just couldn't make sense. Talia, the boyfriend at the time, remember seeing Larry and Isabella together, and the next thing, Larry is laying in bed with Isabella, and now Larry's 50-something years old, and Isabella's there, and he's telling her, nobody's going to hurt you, baby girl. I'm going to help you. And the ex-boyfriend says... Larry was going to start sleeping in Isabella's room. And he says, oh, he's not going to be sleeping with her. He's going to be sleeping on the floor because she needs help. So she was, Isabella was pretty fragile at that time. And so now he started his little scamitation here. So Isabella was to return home for winter break. Larry calls her family, Isabella's family. And according to Isabella's aunt, Larry told the mother that, Isabella had been sexually abused as a child by a family friend. And if she went home for the break, she might commit suicide. So this Larry now starts playing this game with the parents. All of a sudden, Larry starts spending winter breaks with Talia, Talia's boyfriend in a one-bedroom condo. They had one up here on the Upper East Side on 93rd Street, owned by a fellow named Lee Chen. And he was an old friend of Larry. So let's now set the setting here. Larry now goes into the dorm. He's living there. He's living there in that dorm, and he's started lecturing on this QP4. QP4, I have no idea what it is, but he mentions about this is a certain philosophy based on the supposition that all the energy in the universe with stars and planets, all kinds of bull crap. And then everyone's listening. Another roommate, Claudia, was particularly intrigued by the presentation and began having weekly counseling sessions with Larry. Now, you got a 50-something-year-old guy living in the dorm with all these kids there, and they all sit around, and they start talking about, and then he starts to get into their heads, telling them all about that. He's diagnosing them that they could commit suicide, and then all of a sudden, his philosophy starts to really get deep into these kids' head. And then at the end of the first school year, the kid Daniel found himself in a bad shape. His relationship with his girlfriend was crumbling, and now all of a sudden, Daniel, and there was another fellow there, Santos and Claudia, all of a sudden they told him, look it, you had a breakup, maybe you should talk to Larry. Larry knows everything. So now all of a sudden, Daniel starts to talk to Larry. Larry's telling him about that sexually he's inept and whatever the problems are, and Larry starts to, to mind-screw him. Larry starts to talk to him, and he starts to tell him different things, and he starts to tell him that he has problems, and he's going to guide him. And this is part of how this all cult started. Every morning in the summer apartment on 93rd Street, Larry would start the same way. He would blast this who's baby O'Reilly, a message that was clear. Larry planned to personally guide every one of these young kids, Daniel, Talia, Claudia, Isabella, and Santos, through the teenage wasteland. He would call this wasteland because if you don't listen to me, you're going to commit suicide. If you don't listen to me, you're going to want to commit suicide. So now they're living in there, and he started to mind-screw everybody. And it, all of a sudden it happens, and he would stay in there at night. Meetings would be awful. He would have meetings with all the kids, and he would follow disturbing dream logic. This is all mind-screwing. And these kids all believe them because he was an adult and he's now in the dorm there. And he would tell them all about he should believe in healthier lifestyles. And Claudia, 
was really particularly motivated to adopt Larry's eating and exercise regimen. According to her mother, she became fixated on losing weight, increasingly unhappy with how she looked. From the first time they heard about Larry, Claudia's parents were suspicious. When they realized he was living in the dorm, they met with Alan Green, the dean of student life. Green told him he received other complaints about Larry, but his hands were tied because she was a father and he has a right to visit his daughter on campus. Yeah, he had a right to visit her on campus, but he never left this son of a gun. And Larry lived on the campus in there. He also had the apartment on the Upper East Side. So now Larry's behavior started to become very, very obvious to all these students. And now what happens is they all started the following. Daniel now believes he started telling Larry his innermost feelings and all that and his pressure. And Larry's Larry started to work on him. And he started to take confessions and write them down on many of these students. Many of them used identical language. He would start to mind school them, bring them into mind schooling. And it became more difficult for Daniel when Larry took a deep interest in his sexual education. One night... Isabella came out of the bedroom and began kissing Daniel on the couch. At first, he thought Isabella was acting on a crush, but a few weeks later, Larry ushered the two of them into the bedroom, instructing Daniel and Isabella to have sex while he watched. Really weird. The sessions become regular, and Larry would sometimes participate like a threesome. He made it seem as though his presence was part of Daniel and Isabella's journey into clarity. I this is sick stuff, man. Larry invited Chin, his friend, the landlord, to join in too. Everybody was banging Tate and everyone. Yeah, you know, so Daniel got freaked out, but there was no consent in that situation. Isabella may have seemed to be pursuing all this, but her mind was being twisted by Larry. Here's the, the cult Domina. Still, Daniel didn't leave the apartment. It was a combination of feeling like it's unusual, but yet it's right. And at the end of the summer, Claudia and Daniel left to study abroad in England. Before leaving, Claudia sent a long email to Green, the Sarah Lawrence Dean, with the subject line, The Truth. She wrote that when Larry first moved into the dorm, she expressed fears and concerns about Larry Ray being bad and dangerous and manipulative and sexually deviant man. After spending the summer with Larry, Claudia took it all back and claimed Larry's ex-wife had tricked her into making statements. So Larry's really mind-controlling everybody. So when he feels as though they're getting close to what he was doing, he then would back off. And this guy, let's go back on this guy, Larry. His other name was Lawrence Greco. He grew up, he took his stepfather's name in Bayridge, Brooklyn, and he hung out with some of the wise guys over there from the Genovese family, uh, Sally Dogs, Lombardi. He actually attended the wedding for one of them over there. And next thing is, Larry was like a chameleon. So he had a lot of friends. And then he would make friends all over. He worked on Wall Street in, in the early 80s, Despite not even having a college degree, he became a consultant, helping clients in insurance, construction, finance, gambles. He was like the mentor down there. He claimed to be a partner in a popular Italian restaurant where he held fundraisers for politicians, including one for Patrick Kennedy in, in 1993. He also co-owned Malibu, a nightclub in Scotch Plains, New Jersey, which 
took meetings with Peter Gayton. Now, Peter Gayton was the guy with the one eye there with the tunnel and the limelight. He would look to have and meetings and all that with Bob Franks to New Jersey. He would be moving and shoot with all these political guys. He's a great guy, Frank D. Tomasano. Frank ran a large construction firm, and he testified, once testified that D. Tomasano, who was with friends with Larry, eventually hired to make introductions. He's dealing with government officials. So he started talking to guys in the Air Force and having hung around the Marine Corps general and the retired Marine Commandant General James Jones. Larry claimed he and Pittman once planned operations to go into Cuba to take out one of the most wanted people out of Cuba. He was he just kept making up stories about NATO, Russia, and his involvement with the CIA. And he was involved with stopping the Kosovo War. He would just keep, he was like the great imposter. He was a statement from him. Chris Donnelly, the NATO official, wrote a letter in his behalf, said he made some calls for us, as many people did. I wrote a letter from anyone who helped us. And then Larry took that letter and he ran around. Of all his relationships of powerful people, the most significant was years to come. In 1995, Larry met a young NYPD detective named Bernie Kerrick, who was one of my dear friends. Kerrick had recently been promoted by Rudy Giuliani. He was his driver to direct of the New York City Corrections Department. Kerrick was impressed by Larry, who had this macho attitude, streetwise charisma, knows everybody, connections. The two became very good friends. A few years later, Larry served as Kerrick's best man at his wedding, and he would sign emails to Larry, love B. Larry was happy to further Kerrick's professional advancement. While in Russia, Larry had performed friended one of Gorbachev's longtime interpreters. In 1997, Larry and his friends played host to Gorbachev in a statesman's visit to New York, arranging security and transportation. So what he was doing was he was making all these contacts. When Gorbachev made a stop in Los Angeles, Larry even used the transportation with his car and brought Gorbachev and Robert De Niro together. As a favor to Kerrick, Larry arranged for Gorbachev to sit down with Giuliani, photographs of the commissioner. Now this guy is really mojoing around. He's making all these contacts. Kerrick helped introduce Larry to some of his law enforcement contacts, including the FBI. And Larry claimed that he could provide this one FBI agent, Gary Huber, with information on his mafia contacts. So Huber then took Larry in as an informant. The two began meeting three, four times a week, and he was talking. He was giving up about a pump-and-dump stock scheme involving with the Gambino family, Eddie Garofola. Larry had told the FBI agent he could provide information about the scheme. So when Larry later said Garofalo had put a hit on him, Uber believed him. According to FBI reports, the agency approximately paid $10,000 for a security system at Larry's home because he said they were going to whack him. Now, however, Larry was an unreliable informant to Daniel, the prospect of critical evidence. Later, it was all bull crap. After a few years of working with Larry, the FBI agent told Larry that he used his role as an FBI informant to cover up his own involvement in the Garofalo scheme. He was involved with it. 
All of a sudden, the FBI agent said he hates Ray for all Ray's lies. In one document, the FBI was Larry's biggest mark. So he pulled the wool over the FBI while this creep was making his moves on these young college kids. And then all of a sudden, Larry's role in the case. The FBI agent tried to make contact with him. We tried to make contact with him. He had no comment. In 2015, he worked as a bodyguard this FBI agent for Donald Trump. Kerrick made that introduction. In March of 2000, federal prosecutors in Brooklyn indicted 19 defendants, including Larry, for their involvement in the securities form scheme. Larry was charged with agreeing to pay a $100,000 bribe to the executive of bond brokerage on behalf of Garofola. So he's playing all ends. He's playing the FBI, Larry. Larry's playing everything, trying to get leniency. Larry pointed out when he was arrested to the FBI, he pointed out his efforts for the U.S. government and that he was involved with stopping the war, Stinger missiles, lie after lie after lie after lie. You know what? The court didn't give a crap. When it was clear a conviction was inevitable, Larry made a desperate plea to Kerrick, who was then a year into another new job. He was commissioner, Bob Bernie, of the NYPD. Larry wrote, Kerrick, an email begging his friend to put good word to the U.S. Attorney's Office. Please be there for me, Kerrick responded the next day. I would do anything for you, he wrote, but in my in my current position as commissioner, I cannot intercede. So Bernie knew I had to let this guy go. Larry pleaded guilty to security fraud in 2003. He was sentenced to five years probation. At a sentencing hearing, the judge accused Larry of manipulating the court and promised to throw the book at him. While Larry was on trial, Kerrick's star was on the rise. Police commissioner's visibility in the wake of 9-11, we remember our commissioner, our great commissioner, Bernie Kerrick, walking around with President Bush. He appeared regularly on TV. The city renamed the Manhattan Jail the Bernard Kerrick Complex. Then in December the 3rd, 2004, President George Bush nominated Bernie Kerrick as the head of Homeland Security. I had a conversation with Bernie at that time. And I said, Bernie, are you sure? Because I remember years prior in 1989 when they put me up as the head of the Drug Commission, they started to look into backgrounds. They dig up everything. People who don't like you, jealous people, throw dirt. I said, Bernie, you sure you're that clean? And he goes, well, Bo, I need you there to put out some fires. I said, I'll be there for you. But this was the beginning of the end for Bernie's career at that point. Two days after, so Kerrick withdrew his nomination, and he said that he was employing an undocumented nanny. There was a lot more involved with that. After Kerrick withdrew his nomination, the Daily News broke a story that chronicled a slew of improprieties stemming from his relationship with Larry the Creep here. Okay, this is one of the most interesting stories on Bo Deedle's true crime story. This one knocked me out of my seats. We have to break it into two because it's a bit long, and I want everyone to listen up next week for part two of this interesting case against this creep, the stolen kids of Sarah Lawrence College, how their lives were changed. Please tune in next week for part two, Larry Ray, Lawrence Ray, the creep. Tune in. Thank you.